Welcome to Disrupt Equities Apartment Investing Podcast. This podcast will offer weekly episodes equipping passive and active investors alike with the tools, knowledge, and confidence to build wealth through one of the most powerful wealth creation vehicles out there, apartments. Let's get into today's episode. Welcome back to Money Mondays. Monday, Monday, Monday. Welcome back, everybody. Monday, Mondays is every Monday, 3.30 Central-ish. Talk about a bunch of different things. We talk about real estate and real estate, Ben's hair and real estate and Ben's life. Being an entrepreneur, Ben's hair. we are talking about types of multifamily properties we buy. Oh, I love it, I love it, I love it. People ask us that often. We figured, hey, let's do a whole topic on it. And, you know, that's kind of what we're going to do. So if anyone has comments, questions, please let us know, right? If you have suggestions for future episodes, please let us know as well. That's how we think of these episodes. Yeah, yeah. We always get feedback, you know, or sometimes we're just picking topics out of a hat. Either way, we want it to be interactive, so we want people to engage. So ask questions. Give us a like. Give us a share. That's the, you know, the, the biggest, you know, thing that we love to see is people enjoying the show, right? You know, so let's hop right into this. So the type of multifamily properties that we buy, right? Now, as we've always talked about on this show, you have to determine your box, right? You know I mean? What do you want to buy? There are certain guys that will only buy A-class deals in primary markets, or you might even be more specific. They only want to buy A-class deals in, say, Houston, right? Or our box is a little bit bigger. So uh, we typically want to buy 80s and newer properties that are going to be in primary markets, specifically San Antonio, Houston, Atlanta. And we love to do Florida, too. Right? Doesn't necessarily have to be some heavy value add play. We do like some meat on the bone, um, but we can also, you know, get away with just doing a management play as well, right? There just needs to be some kind of component there where we can increase the value, you know, within a year or two, right? So those are the, that's the, that's our box, right? So, you know, as far as markets that we're interested in, like I'd mentioned, right? You know, San Antonio for specific reasons, Houston for specific reasons, and Atlanta, we love as well, right? We've been successful in all three of those markets. We're ultimately based in Houston, so we know that. That's our backyard. Um, but ultimately, what we're looking for is, you know, and this is a little bit different in Atlanta the last 18 months, but, you know, good cost basis in relative in relation to the rents that you're getting, right? You know, if there's a good spread there, then you're typically going to make money, right? Now, Atlanta has since ran up quite a bit in price, <laughs> as we've noticed in the last, you know, probably 18 months. And even within the last six months, it's probably gone up another 20 or 30%. But, you know, those are the other reasons why. But we love Texas and Georgia for a lot of the similar reasons that we've talked about in the past, right? Landlord-friendly, business-friendly, you know, tax-friendly, job growth, population growth. It's got all the major boxes that we check, right? Absolutely, right. Be smart, right? You know, as operators, we try to do our best to reduce risk, but let the markets help you. Don't... Try to go into a Detroit if you don't know what you're doing. Don't try to go into cities that aren't growing, right? But yes, yep. people can make money there. It's easy, you know, it's, it's not easy, sorry. With the right process, you can, right, if you know what you're doing. But at the same time, it's also easy to kind of mitigate the risk up front, right? Do your business plan, but also try to let the market help you along the way, right? Yeah. Time helps fix any problems on real estate. It really does. No, it does. And so that's only if you're with a growing market. Probably with a non-growing market, it's the complete opposite, right? Yep. So definitely something to think about. Make your life easier, right? And you know, we've done secondary and tertiary markets, but even in those markets, we still look for growing markets, right? We, yep. I don't think we've ever done a 
shrinking market, actually. No, I, no, I wouldn't, and right? I'm scared of the single, the one-trick pony markets, too. Yeah. Like there, ne- there needs to be some diversification on the economy, right? And why do we care about that, right? And Ferris just touched on it. If it's got one factory or one industry in it, and say that factory goes out of business or that industry goes elsewhere, guess what? You're screwed. So you need to have some diversification because ultimately what you need in, in order to increase value and increase the rents at your properties, you need demand, right? You need people moving there, jobs being created, therefore people needing a place to stay, therefore you're going to have renters, right? So you need to understand that, and right? And, and ultimately we've seen a couple people, they play in Michigan in the Detroit area, but they know those areas very, very well. They know what pockets to be in, you know, what basis makes sense. You know, but for us, right, we're going to stick with what we know, places that are ultimately going on the upswing as far as population and job growth, and that is the Sun Belt. You know, um, specifically, even more specifically than that, Texas, Georgia, and Florida, right? So another question that kind of came in on this topic, right, was what unit counts are we interested in? I would say it ultimately just depends on the revenue that comes in, right? Because we ultimately want to be able to, to manage the deal with either a third-party management company or with our own management company, Disrupt Management, right? And here in Texas, that's how we manage our deals is Disrupt Management. So I would say that's probably typically 75 to 90 units and above, yeah. right? Um, and ultimately, we just closed a 530-unit complex, so I'd say that's probably capping out at about as big as we're willing to go as, as well, yeah. right? Because if you get into some of these really, really big properties, it starts Who, becoming... going to buy it? The, 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 buyer, the buyer pool starts shrinking pretty significantly. And so I would say probably 530 units is probably about as high as I'm willing to go uh, on the unit count. But it goes back to, folks, using management companies, right? We're not here to self-manage. We're not here to, you know, um, you know me and Ferris are not going to be collecting rents and doing work orders, right? We have teams that do that, right? And you need to have enough revenue to justify that. And then we've kind of seen the sweet spot is 75 to 90 and above, depending on where you're at and how much rents are in that place. So what value add qualifications does the asset need to meet? So I think I kind of touched on this earlier, right? You know, I think in, in the end, there's a lot of different things. And the one that everybody talks about that's not easy to do is, is management, right? Yep. So management is a value add. Now it's hard to find deals that have real management Right, especially if you're using third-party management, you know, how likely is one third-party going to do a much better job than the other third-party? Right? Yeah. That's one thing. Um, the other one that really we do all day and every day is really interior upgrades, right? What yep. can we do to improve that interior? Usually it revolves around kitchen, flooring, paint, right? Just yep. think, you know, granite countertops, backsplash, paint. It's really not that hard, guys. And you are looking for ways to be able to push rents, right? Yep. You know, and you really want to be able to get probably... You want rules of thumb 20% return, right, on your money. So if I'm yep. spending $10,000, I need to be able to get $2,500 in rent increases that year. Yep. So that's kind of the, you know, the most common value add that I would say most people do, right? And again, there could be other things, right? Make it look better, add in amenities. All of these things are items to improve a property, right? So you can ultimately get a better tenant, which mm-hmm. reduces delinquency, reduces turnover, and maybe even get a premium on it. And one thing that, that we've been looking at a lot, right? I mean, raising rents is easy, folks. Everybody gets that. Okay, we're going to come in, we're going to put 5000 a door into it, and we're going to raise rents 150 bucks, right? But where a lot of the meat can be is on other income as well, right? So what we're looking at is, you know, are they 
are they, you know, um, collecting the fees that are pretty much customary for a certain submarket or, you know, a certain asset class, right? You know, are they collecting those pet rents? Are they collecting, you know, reserve parking? Are they, you know, um, doing rubs on their utilities, right? Are they, you know, maybe billing back some kind of a Wi-Fi internet cable package, right? You know, that could that could drive some additional revenue. Because you're really, if you're not, if you're just focusing 100% on the on the rental rates, right? You're going to lose out on the opportunities, right? Because right now you're having to squeeze juice in different spots, and other income is a great opportunity for you to just, you know, maybe put some money into it. Um, you know, in order to uh, recoup those fees. And sometimes like, I'll give you guys an example, tech package. We're starting to roll this out to all of our properties, not just, you know, the, the latest ones, but some of our older ones as well, right? It's cheap, right? You're putting a couple USB ports in there. You're maybe putting a Nest thermostat, maybe some kind of a, you know, a, a, an automatic lock or an app that's tied to the lock, right? You can look in August locks or Yale has some of uh, uh, those as well, right? But all in, you're probably spending maybe three fifty, four hundred bucks, right? On top of that, you can charge a premium of typically thirty to fifty dollars, depending on the submarket that you're in. So the return on your investment is pretty strong on that, right? So you should look at those types of additional income things and add that into your value add plan too, right? So. You know, but the, the easiest stuff is, right, you've got down units, we're going to bring those online. You've got deferred maintenance, you got to do that, right? Aesthetically pleasing, make sure that the property's painted, the parking lot looks good, landscaping's fresh, pool is blue. You know, those things are easy, right? It's digging it's, in a little yeah, bit. They're easy, but not everybody's able to No, yeah, yeah, you've got to, but my point is, these days with where asset values are now, you have to dig into a, a, a deeper layer, and try to find those that gold, right? Whereas before you're just finding gold on the top, right? Now you have to dig a little bit deeper and find it, right? So those are some of the things that we've done and just some examples of stuff, but ultimately drop it in the, the comments. Let us know what you're doing to increase the value. We love it. Uh, what specific metrics do you like to see when underwriting a property? So I think that this all, once again, goes back to the, the box that you're in, right? Because yeah. one person's good deal is another person's bad deal. Yeah, right. and, and like we said, ultimately, guys, it needs to be risk adjusted. It's not That's a great point. One deal and one return. It's about how much work and effort are we putting into that deal? Mm -hmm. How much risk is are we and the investors putting into that deal? Right, and do the returns make sense? I'd rather buy a very easy, great deal, great location if I'm getting the same returns as the deep value add and not a great part of town. And you're seeing, we're seeing some of those, yeah, right? No, to absolutely. to so. give people some examples, right? We're seeing value add deals, classy properties getting a 15% IRR, when at, whereas you're able to get, you know, maybe an A minus deal in a, a significantly better part of town. It's 30 years newer and doesn't have any deferred maintenance. And it's a 13 and a half, 14% IRR, right? If you really start weighing the amount of time and effort and risk that's involved in that, I would take the 13 and a half all day long, right? And our investors are, are clamoring for that stuff too. So that's what we're typically trying to chase these days, right? Because value add, the cap rates, versus a more stabilized product have almost converged. And now cap rates on value add stuff is lower than an A minus deal in some cases, right? So you have to just, you have to bake that into your analysis. The market has shifted, right? You know, people are looking for meat. And so therefore cap rates have compressed significantly. And you need to understand, does it make sense to buy that three and a half value add 1970s deal versus maybe a four, four and a half on an 80s product or, an, or a 90s product? Yeah. Right. 
You know, so those are some of the specific metrics, right? You're looking at IRR, you're looking at total return, you're looking at cash on cash, and you're looking at average annualized return. We've talked about this on those shows. Those are the four metrics that are not necessarily the end-all, be-all, but probably at a high level as far as investor returns go, those are the ones that we focus on the most. But there's other things that you need to take into consideration too uh, to determine if it's a good deal or not, right? So those are some of the specific metrics that Disrupt Equity looks like, looks at, and Ultimately, let's hear from you guys, right? What else are you guys looking for whenever it comes to specific metrics, right? So, ultimately, we're shooting this after the fact. But what are we going to talk about now? What's about what's coming up in February? Multifamily Investor Network Conference, right? This is our biggest conference. It's here in our backyard, here in Houston. If you're in Houston or you're in this country or you're on this planet, which I know everybody else is, definitely come check it out, right? It's, it's you know, should be If you're on the moon, the don't check it out. There's about 500 people there. We're going to have some fantastic speakers. Tom yep. Wheelwright. You Garrett know, many Sutton. Many other people. Garrett Sutton for Asset Protection. And many other people. It should be awesome. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, and again, it's, a, it's really meant to be just kind of a neutral place to network and meet people. Right? Yeah. Come learn more about this business. Go build partners, and that's how things happen. So we'll see you guys there. Use the coupon code DISRUPT to get $100 Ooh. off. Prices will go up every month and, you know, for, from now until the event. So, you know, be so able to what, continue until... Uh, what's that month. URL, man, just so everybody knows? MFinvestornetwork.com. Definitely go check it out. So February 12th, 2022, folks, you have no excuse. We're giving you plenty of time to plan this out. It's a one-day event. We focus on networking, building those relationships because not only is it a numbers game, but it's a relationship game. And in a lot of ways, and we've seen this more and more as we've matured in this business, right? The relationships that you build, not only with investors. People think of it, it's all about investors, right? We, we put on a lot of our inve- investor network conferences and these different meetups that we do to, to determine who we might want to partner with as well, right? We're also trying to develop relationships with brokers, right? We're trying to develop relationships with vendors in the market, right? That's important. You need to, un- you need to have those relationships in order to be successful. So don't think for a second that you can do everything from behind a keyboard because it doesn't work like that, right? And I know COVID, everybody got slowed down, but hopefully by February 12th, 2022, I don't know. Maybe they'll have the Lambda variant, but we don't know. We're hoping not, right? Come no, no. so check it out. Check it out. It's going to be fun. So what's coming up next week, right? And I think we're going to probably have Tarek help us co-host. It'll be the week after next week is Memorial Day. So the oh, week after oh, that. Oh, 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 right, you're right. talking about navigating the closing process in multifamily. Tarek can tell you all about the closing oh, process alongside. Oh, look um, at this maybe guy. Maybe point out a thing or two. He might so we're probably going to focus a little bit on once again, on the investor relations side, what does that look like? And then also I can kind of give you guys some insight on what we look for, right? You know, and along the way and what we're doing at certain parts of the process, right? There's a whole timeline. People are always, that's one, probably the biggest black box for people. And that's nothing that any guru or any training program is even talking about is, what do you need to do to get a deal closed, right? You're just fumbling around and hoping that for the best, right? You might get in trouble and you might ultimately blow a timeline. So we'll give you some insight on that. So, boom. That was, pretty, that was pretty Monday good. Mondays, so Every Monday, 3.30 Central-ish. So if you have any questions or comments, please leave a comment. Let us know. Otherwise, we look forward to seeing you guys in two weeks. Two weeks. All right. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed today's episode on Disrupt Equities Apartment Investing Podcast. We have some really great episodes coming up, so make sure to subscribe to the podcast. For those interested in passively investing in cash-flowing multifamily properties, visit disruptequity.com invest. 
Fill out your information there and you will get notified when we release our next multifamily passive investment offering.